Jacob Albrocht, Tommy Kester. This is Sports Daily on Wichita's number one sports radio, 97.5 and 1240 KFH. Everybody, Sports Daily on KFH. It's a hump day. It's Jacob Albrocht and Tommy Castor. Chad Chambers producing the show for us. We've got a giveaway coming up later in the show. Voice of the Kansas Jayhawks, Brian Haney, will join us in our next segment. We've got Wichita State Athletic Director Kevin Saul to join us right at the perfect timing of Wichita State Hoops starting practice yesterday. They're trying to renovate Cessna Stadium, all kinds of stuff happening. Over at Wichita State, we'll get into it all. We've got a New York City mayor running his mouth that none of us appreciate. We'll touch on that. In Kansas, uh, you know, in a separate story, we'll talk about what the Memphis ruling yesterday might mean for the Jayhawks. Um, probably good news for Kansas fans, Kansas hoops fans. But we'll talk about that later in the show. Tommy, how are you today? I'm good. Ready to get into it. A lot going on. It's a jam-packed show, and... Uh... Yeah, I mean, other than, I know we're going to talk about it later in the show, other than Eric Adams, the New York City mayor, I'm feeling good today. Uh, yeah, <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll get into that. If you didn't see it, go go catch the audio, and then we'll talk about it. Coming up in a little bit, you know, Tommy, we had a plan, and then I want to reshuffle it a little bit as we get ready to talk to Brian Haney, and we're talking KU football. Dennis Dodd put out a story today, and, you know, we just sort of get tugged in all kinds of different directions um, with the Lance Leipold rumors and can they keep him? And it's amazing to me what has happened in less than a month. You know, these weren't, there was an extension and people were excited about Leipold and we'd talked about that. And, um, you know, it was just sort of a tip of the cap to the progress, I think, being made off the field. And, you know, they were bringing in high level players. But we're at a whole different conversation now. And Kansas has played four games and, it's wild. There's this. There's two things happening. There is this unbelievable buzz and excitement brewing, and there's also this unease of, can they keep this coach who's done this so quickly? Yeah, and, and I think that question is going to continue. I mean, you know, th- like we've talked about multiple times on this program, Jacob, there's an opportunity here for Kansas to continue to win as they enter into Big 12 play, uh, and, you know, the expectations – have risen somewhat. You know, you start 4-0 and you're right outside the top 25. You're thinking things that probably you were not thinking at the beginning of the season. Bowl game being one of them um, and, and a, a ceiling of winnable games that is a lot higher than what it was um, a month and a half ago. And so I, I think that, that is, that's got to be top priority right now. And I think it is inside the Kansas program. But yeah, it's, it's impossible as a fan base to not also sit back and think, okay, with this success, what does that mean for the coaching staff? What does that mean for Lance Leipold? And I, I feel like if there were not already potential suitors out there, maybe that uneasiness wouldn't be quite as um, prevalent right now. But there there clearly is. I mean, we've, we've talked about Nebraska for quite a while. We, we were talking about Lance Leipold in Nebraska 
before Scott Frost was even let go. And so I feel like if there weren't, you know, some potential targets out there already uh, for programs that Leipold could potentially be, you know, stolen away to, um, you could focus more on the on the field expectations and building the program. But, you know, I, I guess it's a it's a price to pay for the success that the program is having right now. Yeah, it's interesting because the Nebraska job has been the elephant in the room. But the reality is, Tommy, even if it's not the Nebraska job, which Dennis Dodd points to several reasons why there would be mutual interest. Even if it's not the Nebraska job, it's going to be a job somewhere. And maybe it's an even more can't-miss opportunity. It's a it's a very um, pivotal moment for the athletic department that, you know, is normally so focused and so razor-sharp with what it's going to do to maintain basketball but with all the struggles, if, you know, if it's time for a bold move, which the, the university thought it was time for a bold move when they hired Les Miles, right? That, that was a bold move and one that surprised a lot of people. Didn't work at all. Wouldn't it be the same time for a bold move now with Lance Leipold? A big time, we're here, this is a place to be, we want this to place to be. You can, you know, we'll put a statue up for you if you get this thing turned around. Um, I, I, you know, it's it's time for that sort of action, I think, which is wild to think about because we're really four games into this thing. Four games. Last year there was progress, but it was a weird year. It was a late hire, all of those things, right? We're really only four years into the, or four games into this buzz and this seems like the moment Kansas is going to have to step up and make a massive commitment financially to a new football coach here with, with Lance yeah. Leipold. And, and, you know, not only are we only four games in, I think we're about a year ahead of schedule. Like, I, I'm not sure that really anybody in the fan base, I, I think everybody thought there would be progress, be improvement this season. You know, the first full year, really, of Lance Leipold having a full off season and, and that sort of thing. Um, so I think everybody knew that there would probably be progress or at least they were optimistic that there would be. Uh, but I don't think anybody realized how quickly that progress would come about, you know, in the first four games. But one way that I, you know, I feel more confident about the, the upward traje- trajectory of this program with or honestly, without Lance Leipold, I wanted to be with Lance Leipold, but I feel better either way because of the athletic director, Travis Goff. Jeff Long was the athletic director that hired, hired Les Miles back in 2019. Jeff Long is a goofball, um, and, and that didn't work out at all. And there's a reason why Miles is no longer around and Jeff Long is, is no longer around. Travis Goff is the right guy at athletic director for Kansas. And so I think that there will be a financial commitment. Now's the time to do it. But even if that doesn't happen, you know, and and I, I, I've heard people say this before and it it took me a while to really get on board with it and feel okay with it. Um, But I'm there now. I think I'm finally okay with this. Now the thought of, Hey, look, we love Lance Leipold. He's doing a great job, but remember the fact that other programs want your coach is a good thing for your program overall. It means your program is moving in the right direction. And, you know, at first I'm like, ah, yeah, I get it, but I don't love that. I don't want to lose Leipold. The more I thought about it, yeah, that's that. I think that's right. As long as there is a good plan in place, 
in the event that he ends up leaving. I don't think he will, but as long as you've got a good plan, and Travis Goff, I think, will have one to make sure that they don't lose that forward momentum. It's a it's a cute thing, I think, but I think Kansas as a Big 12 program needs to be past wanting other teams to want your coach. It's been too long. Um, it's been it has taken too long to get here and there has been too many failures um, to, to say, Oh, it'll be okay. If somebody gets our coach, that just means we're really good. No, man. I, I, I think that they've got to go make sure it happens. Chris Kleiman right down the street is making it rightfully. So to this point, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with this, um, but Chris Kleiman down the road is making a fairly significant amount more than Lance Leipold. Uh, that's interesting in all of this, I think. Les Miles' contract was in line sort of with what Leipold's making now, so that one's not a good. But Kleiman, um, he's at 3-1 now, and in the final year up to 4-3 million. Leipold now is at 2.2 up to 3.5 in his final year. So Kleiman is making more. That's something to look at if you're Kansas. But the problem is if you're Kansas, and this is going to be an interesting scenario all the way around. The problem is if you're Kansas, Nebraska wants him. Of course Nebraska wants him, but everybody's going to want him. And money is going to be a factor there. I think that if Kansas can eliminate the money factor, they're going to be in decent shape here. Because I do think, and it's hard to read Dennis Dodd's article, and it's always hard to read an article because you can't hear the tone of a voice or see the facial expressions, which we saw in that very original you know, news conference, which is why we all sort of had pause, right? Because we could, if we had we, you know, read that quote, it'd be a little different than when we saw it. We've seen... Lance Leipold do these interviews and heard things where it makes you feel a little bit better, right? So I don't know the tone of some of these quotes, uh, but they're, again, a little bit unsettling. Dodd points out that, you know, Travis Goff was a part of the negotiations when Northwestern locked up Pat Fitzgerald to a massive contract. So he's been in almost this exact same situation before, right? Remember, Fitzgerald at one time was essentially what Leipold is now. Everybody wanted him all the way up to the NFL, right? And and Goff and his crew, and he was an assistant at that time, or a deputy athletic director, was a part of getting him locked up. Same agent, so there's familiarity there. That's probably a good thing. It's ultimately going to come down to, does Lance Leipold, does the appeal of Nebraska draw him over? Because he has Nebraska connections, but at 58 years old, all the success and time you've put in to have this where it is right now, if money becomes the only factor, and I don't know that that's the case, but I think it, it's it got to be a factor if somebody's willing to tell you you're three times more valuable than the other place, right? Then, then I think Kansas can probably get that done. Kansas needs a new football stadium. In the landscape of college athletics, if Kansas ever wants to be in that conversation where the Big Ten and the SEC are, which I they, they clearly do, right? They're going to need a, a big-time football facility and all of these things. 
You're never going to get there unless you're winning consistently because you're not going to be able to raise the money to do it. So the financial investment to me makes sense. And it's it's just what blows my mind, Tommy, is like four weeks ago, you and I had this conversation and I thought the original extension, I was like, man, two wins? Like that seems interesting to me, the timing of it. But to your point, Goff could see this coming a mile away. Now, I don't know that even he saw what what has happened now through the first four games. And look, Kansas is a, is, is a home dog this weekend to Iowa State. Take that for what it's worth. And Lance Leipold, in a quote in this Dennis Dodd article, pointed out the importance of not going four and eight, then everyone's going to think he's an idiot, right? Like he understands it. I think they understand it. But you talk about like an ultimate shove your chips into the middle of the table. I mean, that's what this is for Goff. Like, do you go all in here and just give him a Big Ten type contract and say, you know what? Let's make sure he's here. We'll deal with all the rest later. Let's keep this thing going. Let's get our new football stadium. Let's do all these things we do and blaze this new path where we can get football on a level to run with our basketball program and our volleyball program and some of these other great programs at Kansas that could take them to the next level as a university. Yeah, uh, you know, I feel like Lance Leipold and Travis Goff, they both, to an extent, have the same question that they need to answer. And that question is, is the grass greener on the other side? For Leipold, is the grass greener at another program, like in Nebraska, or inevitably one of the other schools that is going to want him to come in and turn around their program? Or is it better at Kansas with the situation that he has right now, where he is basically worshipped, you know, in less than two years. You know, I think that the fan base realizes that he's turned around the program and it's, it's you know, yeah, there's going to be peaks and valleys. But overall, it, you know, they're continuing to move forward and move up. Uh, and, I, and I think that that will continue. So is the grass greener on the other side? He's got to weigh that. I, I, I don't necessarily think it's a money question. I think somewhat it always is. There's always the money factor. Um, but I think it's more than that. You know, Leipold is, is 58 years old and is he going to want to go somewhere else where, you know, maybe he doesn't have it quite as good as where he has it at Kansas and where he continue to, he can continue to get it, you know, have it good at a program like that. And then for Travis Goff is the grass greener on the other side without Lance Leipold. You're shoving all your chips in the middle of the table. Like you mentioned, what does the program look like without him? You know, can, if he leaves, can you keep Andy Kotelnicki, you know, maybe, I don't know, maybe he's the next guy if Leipold ends up going somewhere else. Um, or will he want to go with Leipold? He's followed him before. Um, what does another coaching search look like after two years? What does it look like to try to raise funding for a new stadium without Lance Leipold there? Um, are you going to be able to get donors energized if you've got to go through another coaching search, which, you know, Kansas has gone through so many coaching searches over the last decade plus I'm not sure that really a lot of the, the big money donors are going to want to have to go through that again uh, in the midst of raising money for a new stadium. So I think that the answer is a little bit easier for Travis Goff. Like, no, I don't think the grass is greener on the other side without Lance Leipold. So you've got to do whatever it takes to try to keep him here. And I think for Leipold, he's got to, you know, he's got to weigh the, the benefits of staying at Kansas versus going somewhere else. Yeah, it's going to be tricky. Jalen Daniels is a junior, right? Um, what's his future look like? Those are all fat. There are all kinds of factors in this. I, I think that 
Kotelnicki would would be a, would be an interesting choice. And I don't, you know, I've never heard him talk. I don't know anything about him other than he seems to be a brilliant offensive coordinator. Rick says it's not just the salary. To, says this on Twitter. The only bold plan is a totally new stadium, similar to what Baylor did. Uh, you got to compete with the big boys if you want to play. But Baylor did that after a lot of years of success, right, under Art Bryles, remember. they The success comes before the new stadium. You can't just build a new stadium if you don't have a good program. That's why, to me, the financial investment of paying a coach is you basically loop that into the cost of a new stadium. Because if Lance Leipold keeps this buzz and this momentum and they're selling out games at the booth, right, they'll build a new stadium. That's what will happen. They'll have the, they'll be able to raise the funds to do that. So if you feel like you want to do that, you pay the coach that's going to help you do it. It's why, you know, at the time they hired Les Miles, we all scratched our heads. And everyone's like, why would they do this? And my only answer ever was they hired him so they could build a new stadium. That's what he's there to do. Like Les Miles is there to get them a new stadium built, to build that buzz enough and rally the donors to build a stadium. Now, it was a colossal failure, right? It was a disaster. But that's what he was there to do. If you want the new stadium, which they should want, right, you've got to have to pay the coach to keep the coach there to build the program to justify building the stadium. It's this, it's this loop that Kansas hasn't been able to escape, Right. You don't have the coach. You don't have the facility. The coaches that come in don't have the resources they need, and it's this endless cycle. Well, now somebody's busting that cycle. So if you want that momentum to go forward, it's the time for bold action if you want to keep it. And that's what – and the real, the other real question before we take a break, Tommy, because we got Brian Haney coming up in the next segment, and we'll talk football. We don't need to you know, get too much into this with Haney. We've done that before. But – the other part of it is the timing. Is there an urgency right now? Or is there just general urgency to get this done before the end of the season? That's the piece of it that's also interesting. Yeah. How fast does this need to get done? Yeah. It would be uh, nice to shut these conversations off. Yeah. Uh, I absolutely believe that there is overwhelming urgency right now. It's a perfect storm that's brewing. And Leipold even said in Dennis Dodd's article, he goes, I wish we could talk about football for a month. You know, not have to worry about all of this stuff. Uh, and so I think that in his mind also, I think it's beneficial to him to get it all locked away so that the chatter stops and they can focus on winning football games. To be fair to the conversation, if Leipold wants the conversation to stop, he will say, I'm staying at Kansas. I'm not interested in any jobs, and this is where I'm going to be. through my." I mean, he can, he can put an end to it if he wants to by just squashing it, but he's not doing that. Uh, and we know what that means when coaches do that. When they don't outright squash things, it means they're interested. Like, history tells us that, right? So he's got the power to squash it, but obviously it's not time to squash it yet, which is the reason we're having this conversation in the first place. 869-1240. We're going to get Brian Haney in here. We want to talk football with Brian. We'll go back over the Duke game, look ahead. Home dogs to Iowa State. Put it up on the bulletin board. Jayhawk Football Talk coming up next on Sports Daily. Tommy, me and my kids love Dance Monkey. You guys into Dance Monkey here? 
Uh, yeah, without a doubt. I, I, you and I, we're just finding we have more and more in common every day. It's such a good song. This is such a good song. I remember the first time I heard it, I was like, what is this? It's like, like this siren is speaking to me. Like something is mesmerizing about that song to me. Uh, but my kids love it. They love to sing it and to dance to it. Um, all right, let's let's keep this conversation. We're we're tracking down Brian Haney, the voice of the Jayhawks, right now. Jad will let us know when we have him. It's you know we we talk Leipold here, and and I I hate that it's a part of the conversation too, Tommy. But it's our job to sort of you know highlight the fact that this is a thing that's actively happening all the time because whether it impacts the team or not, which right now it would appear it is not. It could, and that's a thing, right? Like, it's a thing every time we see these types of stories from national writers because it, you know, if it doesn't distract the players, it is a distraction to Leipold. It has to be. Um, It's a distraction to Goff, and it's a distraction to the fan base, and that's not a good thing, but it is that. But we can get more into that later. We do have Brian Haney now, and the great reason we have all of these conversations about the future of the program is because the present of the program. Let's get to Brian Haney. It's that time. Sports Daily getting all the inside information on the Kansas Jayhawks. Let's go now to the voice of KU, Brian Haney. And here we go, 4-0. Brian Haney, voice of the Kansas Jayhawks, joining us. Duke is in the books. Brian, that was another impressive performance by the offense, maybe a little more impressive by the defense from what we've seen in weeks past. That's a pretty good feeling. How did it feel for you to be at the booth with that packed house again? I think that was one of the biggest takeaways besides Jalen Daniels continuing ascension was just to to have 48,000 of crimson and blue clad all Jayhawks and to see the wheat waving in a capacity crowd as often as it was and and we had a a sellout a few years ago when when K-State came to town but a a large large percentage of that was folks wearing purple and so this was our crowd this is our team this is our year and it just felt great to have that energy on the hill again to have that type of buy-in around the fan base and what this coaching staff and these players are building, that was great. You know, the game itself certainly was nice to emerge with a win, and it's funny how you can start to nitpick after winning four in a row and you quickly forget how we'd be starved for any type of win the last 12 or 13 years. But there were some things that I know Coach uh, Leipold is, is wanting to, to get shored up that were un- Leipold era-like in terms of, uh, you know, some personal foul penalties or a timeout to start a quarter because the the personnel grouping had too many on the field, that kind of thing. And so point is, the ascent continues, super excited about all that, and yet there were plenty of of coaching points that they could touch on to keep these guys motivated and hungry and moving forward. Not that they need any of that because right now these guys are, you know, still striving to – uh, gain national attention, crack the top 25 for the first time in 14 years, and so on and so forth. But I, I think more so than anything in the game itself, it was just the, the feeling and the energy on the hill that was my biggest takeaway from Saturday. Brian, it was my first time seeing this team in person this season uh, on Saturday. And one thing that I feel like after watching the first couple of games on TV, that it's it's actually – 
more impressive when you see it in person. I know you've gotten obviously a chance to see them every game in person is just the misdirection offensively. And I'm sitting there in the stands, I'm watching, you know, all this movement, this motion, uh, and getting guys wide open. Um, and that, that seems to continue. It's not a one-off. That's not a, just a, you know, something that happened in one game. We've seen it consistently game in and game out through the fir- through the first four this year. So uh, I'd love to know your thoughts on how the offense continues to evolve and what we continue to see game in and game out. Well, it's, it's a credit to Andy Kotelnicki and his creativity. And as we've said on multiple reports, it's a credit to Jalen Daniels, who with remarkable consistency makes the right read almost every time. Uh, and it does a really good job of getting through his progressions as well. I know that, you know, on, on one of the early throws to uh, Trevor Cardell, that was the back end of the progressions where he'd in a very short amount of time had gone through the first three reads and finally settled on the tight end coming across the field. And so he makes the right decisions. He makes quick decisions. Not everything was perfect about JD. I know that on the, the last three plays when we were at midfield and it looked a little vanilla, there were a couple of reads uh, where he could have kept himself or, or given it up and, and maybe made the wrong call in each instance. So there's still stuff to improve there too. But, but by and large, I mean, with 80-plus percent consistency, he is, he is doing with the football exactly what you'd want him to do. And, and then with even higher consistency than that, you know, the, the ball is, is winding up in, in plus play yardage or, in many cases, scoring plays because of the brilliance of Jalen Daniels. And so, like we've said on numerous you know, reports, it's, it's the perfect marriage between a really elaborate, creative, but but somewhat you know involved and, and dare I say difficult scheme with a quarterback who whose mastery of it, whose ability to read the defenses, make quick decisions, get the ball where it needs to go, uh, and, and and have the vision as a running back when he calls his own number to keep that, that is truly truly special. And so, uh, like I said, you know the scheme itself is something to marvel at, but you got to have the right pieces to orchestrate it as effectively as Kansas has. And that's where Jalen Daniels' brilliance comes into play. And so it's lightfold at the top, but but it's the Kodal Mickey jalen Daniels combo that has worked in concert so well together these first four games that you probably stop and, and marvel at the most. But, you know, to only focus on those three would be doing a disservice to guys like Daniel Hyshaw and how brilliant was that 73-yard catch-and-run touchdown. There are numerous other guys that deserve some attaboys too, but I totally get where you're coming from and, and, and agree that if, if it's your first time seeing it in person and you see all the pre-snap movement, the unique formations, and let me just tell you, there's more coming that you haven't seen. Trust me. Uh, it, it really does speak to the creativity and the excellence that Kansas has at its offensive play calling position with Andy Kotelnicki. It felt to me like, as we speak with Brian Haney each and every week here on Sports Daily, the voice of the Jayhawks, it felt to me like the defense was a little better against Duke. Um, is it is the progress coming there, do you think, to allow Kansas to really contend in every game that they play? Because I think the, the concern is if, if the offense ever slows down, what happens? But it feels like there's progress coming on the defensive side of the football. Sure, it's behind the offense. How could it not be? But it's coming to some degree, yeah? Yeah, no, I completely agree. I think this uh, this Kansas defense 
you know, in this particular game, they, they only forced three punts, but uh, they, they were able to, in many cases, you know, get drive altering plays made. And, you know, what, one of those drives they ended was on a, a turnover on downs with 48,000 making noise and Eddie Wilson stuffs the run. And so that's, that's a fourth stop right there that you can toss on top of the punt total that they forced. And, uh, and so, yeah, whether it's, coming up with key takeaways like they did at Houston in week three or just getting off the field with you know successful defensive stands like we saw in week four. I, I think we're seeing consistent strides made, no doubt. And uh, to see Melo Dotson turn in the game he had, I know he gave up the late touchdown, which he'd love to have back. But prior to that, I, I think we called his name the most. And, you know, he obviously led the team in tackles with nine. But he, he was doing a really good job on his end of the field. And the fact that teams still aren't throwing much to Kobe Bryant's side of the field says a lot about the coverage that, uh, you know, that he's putting forth each and every week. But Lonnie Phelps continues to make plays up front. We saw that again with another sack on Saturday, his fourth of the season, which is 11th in the country and tied for first in the Big 12. I referenced the Eddie Wilson play. Uh, we saw Craig Young have another big game as well. I mean, there's just uh, a n- number of guys right now that are flashing potential and settling in more and more week to week. So other than some, some personal foul penalties you'd like to have back, you know, just this little stuff they can clean up. Um, I, I think you got to feel really good about this group. And um, quite frankly, you know, it, it's okay if they never catch up to the offense, as you alluded to, we, we just got to be steady, consistent, get stops more times than, than not. And, and Kansas has a great chance or at least get stops half the time. How about that? Uh, Kansas has a great chance to compete every single week and, and absolutely be a bowl team and, and, and maybe push past that bowl win total in ways that not many would have thought possible to start the year. We're not asking the defense to go out and be a steel curtain. Just you know, be competitive at, and you know when you can, help the offense with better field position because you force three and out and, and all that, then do it. But, uh, but, yeah, this offense, as they continue to roll, and it's not just the, the frequency with which they're scoring, guys. The offense has done a good job in controlling a lot of clock and, and having five and six minutes sustained drives, which shortens the game considerably, keeps the defense fresh. Uh, and if they're scoring you know, seven drives out of eight, which is not always the case, but, but many times the season has been, um, you know, that, that certainly means the defense doesn't have to do a whole lot more that then you know the occasional stop and you're going to win a game you can't count on that when you start to go up against the oklahomas and baylors of the conference but the point is we're not asking the, the defense to be all world or anything and i think they are progressing in a way that tells me they'll be very competitive week in and week out in concert with what the offense is doing Brian, I want to ask you about the resiliency of this team. Uh, we, you know, obviously in the in the first quarter, first part of the game uh, on Saturday. In fact, it was the opening drive. The Kansas offense had a fourth and goal from the one. They weren't able to put it in, and then a little bit later on in the game, there was a fumble. Uh, I, I think in years past, it was pretty easy for the fan base to say, uh, you know, they're stuffed or they turn the ball over. Just not going to happen for them. That's not the way that this program operates anymore. And so I'd love to know your take on what you see as far as the culture being built with Lance Leipold, the resiliency, even when things are not necessarily going the team's way, how they respond to that. And that's going to be so much more important as they get into Big 12 play. Yeah, it's, it's a great observation. And it's one that I think is made possible by 
not just the playmaking abilities of your quarterback, who right now is a top six Heisman Trophy candidate, but his just natural positivity, enthusiasm, charisma, his energy. You know, yeah, it, it, it stunk that they got stuffed at the one. And, and Coach Leifold said if they make the right cut there on the Devin Neal carry, they, they probably walk in. It stinks that, that Neal coughed it up on the 21-yard line when, when he got drilled and, and may have had some pain on that play that led to the fumble. But in each instance, that sideline is not deflated and defeated because number six is going to get a crack at the ball again and we're going to get them back in the red zone and back in the end zone and back to the promised land because hope springs eternal when you've got a guy like that that is so dynamic in his talent but also so uplifting in his demeanor, his his you know presence inside the huddle, all of that. And so I think that allowed Kansas – knowing that we have more of a margin for error now than we've had at any point since the Todd Reason era, but also we have a leader that keeps guys' heads up and uh, you know instills that, that confidence that, hey, that's all right, blip on the radar, let's go get the next one. And I think so much of that credit goes to having a quarterback like Jalen Daniels, but that also stems from you know, leadership at the top with Lance Leipold and, and, and you know the offensive scheme that we talked about earlier that they know they're going to get a chance to go out and get there still. Instances of missed opportunities like those just mean they need more out of the defense, and we saw enough out of the defense to make that the case. So, yeah, I, I think it's a great observation you make and, and certainly one that uh, is a big difference compared to what we're used to and hopefully something we'll continue to see. Uh, but I, I know Kansas, while it certainly anticipates the, the need for resilience uh, as the schedule gets tougher and tougher, they also know they have the ability to, to play from out in front, unlike this club has been able to do in the last 14 years. And they really felt like they should have had 35 points at the half last week. And so that's why I say there's things they want to sharpen up and, and drives they want to finish and penalties they want to avoid because they know as, as fun as it was to walk out of there with 47,233 with their heads held high, uh, it, it could have been even more convincing. And it will need to be much more crisp this week to beat an Iowa State team that will come in favor. Yeah, Iowa State's favored, uh, Brian. Do, do do you think that from what you know about this staff and the identity of this team, do they take exception to that? Do they care? Do they see that, you know, despite everything that's happened, Iowa State, who just lost at home to Baylor, comes into Kansas um, as the favorite in this game? Or do they need any extra motivation because of what happened last year? Could it be mentioned uh, maybe in like a, a positional room meeting? I don't think it's something that Lance gets up in front of the whole team and beats the drum on. Um, you know, you like to play the chip on your shoulder underdog card, certainly. But I know when he was asked straight up yesterday about, have you talked to your guys about the AP top 25 snub? He said, no, we don't pay attention to that stuff. So he's kept the focus on, you know, the next opponent, their tendencies, our keys to victory, that kind of thing. I don't think he's pulling out a ton of stops on motivational buttons to push here and there. But, yeah, I think, uh, you know, that, that could certainly fire up some folks. But then again, you, you remember what Matt Campbell's done his first six seasons and how good this, this program has quickly become and, it really, in, in many ways, I'll just say it, they are from a fan engagement, from a facilities, from a recruiting, from a year-in, year-out consistency standpoint, very much what we want to be. And, and this kind of is the blueprint because 
you look at, at Iowa State and, and Kansas you know, football history in terms of, of the, the reputation of the program in all of time, they're not that far removed from one another, and yet in a very short amount of time, though there have certainly been successful coaches before him like McCarney and Chizik, et cetera, Rhodes, we see Matt Campbell do things that, that those guys never did. And, and so Lance Leipold's trying to do it similar here at Kansas. And so I don't think that anybody's hanging their head that we're underdogs, and it's a narrow underdog total here. Um, it, it, if you want to use that as a motivator, certainly you could. But I don't think, you know, Coach Leipold is, is in the business of doing that right now. They're more focused on how they can, you know, attack this Iowa State team personnel-wise and that kind of thing. But, you know, if, if we were – five and oh having beaten iowa state and still underdogs the following week tcu then maybe that comes out a little bit more but right now everybody inside that kansas facility fully realizes this will be the best team we played in the first five weeks and so no matter what the number is coming out of vegas or wherever you get your numbers nobody's losing any sleep over that because they know this would be our toughest test and this is also our greatest opportunity to prove that uh, you know what what you've seen these first four weeks is sustainable, and and this is just the tip of the iceberg on how good Kansas can get. Brian, it certainly seems like so far this season the Big Twelve is a meat grinder. Like I'm not sure that there's a a great team that rises to the top, but there's a lot of really really good teams uh, in the Big Twelve that we've seen through the first four weeks. And one thing about Iowa State last season, especially, they won a lot of close games but they haven't been able to do so this season. What's a key takeaway for you and and a key game plan for Kansas if they want to take down Matt Campbell and the Cyclones? Well, I I think that Iowa State's one of those clubs that's going to get better and better as the year goes on. When you lose your quarterback and your running back, and and by the way, Brees Hall is about to break out with the Jets. If you watched him in week three, he's looking really good, and and that's uh, obviously a name that a lot of your listeners know a lot about based on – his prep career, but uh, you know, when, when you lose Purdy and Hall and, and some of the pieces they did, it, it's going to take a while to really you know get it going and kick it into high gear. And I, I was impressed, even though it wasn't pretty on the scoreboard, their win at Iowa, ten seven in week two, showed that even with this group, they can find a way to to get it done. They're a club that defensively is just so well coached. They lead the Big 12 in total defense, only allowing 266 yards per game. In scoring defense, only allowing 14.5 points per game. Their assignment sound. Uh, they've got great athletes, and and they just they make plays. And so, uh, I'll be interested to see how they adjust to what Kansas does. Everything you talked about earlier about the creativity of the Kansas scheme and all that. Will ISU line up in their base defense and just see you know, what Kansas has for them and if, if what they do is good enough to stop what we do? Or do they have to make some adjustments if, if the Jayhawks are really uh, you know, getting creative with it? And, and what do those adjustments look like? Uh, so you know, in, in terms of you know, specific keys, to, to me, you know, it, it's going to be as much as we talk about the Kansas offense versus the ISU defense, and that really will tell the tale of the tape, is, is – the gap between whoever wins that matchup that wide or in the other matchup when you flip the field and it's their offense with Xavier Hutchinson and, and Decker's throwing the ball against our defense, where, where is there a bigger margin of separation? Uh, because I think we can win the, the offense versus defense gap, but will it be a narrow win? And then how much can they take advantage of us defensively? We'll see. 
um, or, or can the Kansas defense come up with a takeaway or two on Deckers and, and you know, make that be the springboard that catapults Kansas into winning this football game? That's absolutely a possibility, too. So I, I'm excited to see what it looks like, but who has the bigger advantage with their advantage, as, as cliche as that sounds, I, I think really will come down to determining this game because they really are very evenly matched teams. If To go back to your, your comment about being underdogs, if, if we're a three, three-and-a-half-point dog at home, that means that the, the folks that set those lines think that this is probably a, a six- or a seven-point gap between these two teams overall since we have home field yep. advantage. And, and that's pretty small. Uh, and that's that's one drive that gets completed and one drive that doesn't. That's one turnover that's taken away versus given away that decides this game if, if truly the odds makers are on it. So hopefully we'll play a clean game of football. We'll get away from some of those very unlipold-like uh, penalties and, and, and stuff that we saw last week. And there weren't a ton of them, but just, just a few little things to brush up. Uh, but, yeah, I, I think it's that close between these two teams to where – you know, one big takeaway could swing it or, you know, one fourth down conversion ends up being the difference, that kind of thing on Saturday. All right, Brian. Well, we're looking forward to it. Give us the broadcast details uh, so everybody knows how to tune in right here on KFH on Saturday. Yeah, 2.30 on the kickoff. It'll be 1 o'clock on the Crimson and Blue show for you right here on KFH. And uh, then the following Saturday, they've announced a kickoff time of 11 a.m. versus TCU as we wrap up this game homestand but uh what a run it's been let's hope it continues and, and it's nice to be at home for three straight weeks i get to sleep in my brand new mattress from the mattress hub my purple mattress which i know sounds uh blasphemous for the crimson and blue guy to be pumping the purple but this was the the new mattress technology that i decided was the best night's sleep for me after trying the the, the sort of the tempur-pedic all that this was the one that i liked and they'll do the same for you with 100 days to to you know sleep in that mattress and make sure it, it feels good and it's what you need for the best night's sleep i'm a wannabe athlete still has back pain in my mid 40s and so i needed something with a little more uh you know ease for my back and that's what they found for me at the mattress sub so check them out today at mattress wichita owned and operated right there in wichita guys thanks so much and we'll look forward to chatting next week all right there goes brian haney we appreciate it voice of the jayhawks we'll have more on that throughout the week here a part of our weekly conversations we always appreciate with brian uh, let's take a quick break. We'll come back. We'll digest a little bit. We've got Kevin Saul, Wichita State's athletic director, coming up at the top of the hour. Some new uh, things happening with Cessna Stadium we want to get into and the start of Shocker basketball yesterday. we got a jam-packed Wednesday rolling right along on Sports Daily. All right, just a couple of minutes here before we get to Wichita State Athletic Director Kevin Saul. Tommy, did you see the New York City mayor running his mouth yesterday uh, about brand and how New York City has a brand and he just happened to throw in that Kansas doesn't um, unnecessarily? But w- what did what did you think of, of all this? I, it was so bizarre. Like, it was just it's weird. So like, bizarre. Why Why are you even referencing Kansas? Like, the if, if, you, if you watched any more of his speech, there was nothing— it wasn't about Kansas at all. And you just throw it in as a dig doesn't make any sense whatsoever. And, and, you know, I know a lot of people in this state um, were offended by that, including myself. I mean, I'm, I'm from Kansas. I love the brand of Kansas. Um, yeah. It just, just weird, just a bizarre thing. Well, and the reactions we, cause we did the story on KWCH yesterday and everyone was, as you would expect, like kind, like, Oh, we don't need to say anything negative. 
I, I'm from Texas, so we wear our pride a little more violently. Uh, it, so I'll step in <laughs> as a now Kansas transplant. Like, if your brand is to be that kind of smug, take your brand and shove it because that's what yeah. it is. Like, oh, it, it, it like that. You want to know what people think of New York? And I love New York City, by the way. But you want to talk about a brand? That's the brand. Like, that's what people think about it. A bunch of smug, arrogant people that are crammed into a, you know, a, a space that kind of smells bad sometimes. But that's not what you want the brand to be, right? Like, the brand he's trying to identify there, I, I don't think is the brand that New Yorkers would probably like to highlight. It's a great city full of culture and all these cool things. But instead, you get this guy in an expensive suit up there, you know, with a bad laugh making fun of the middle of the country. Like what, what kind of brand is that? Yeah. Take and your brand. Making fun of making fun of people that have never like made fun of him. Like I, before that moment, I didn't even know who the New York city mayor was. Um, well, was they like, wrote, well, I, I feel I, like they run through mayors. Like it's, yeah. you know, every other year it feels like they got a new mayor up there. And uh, I feel like, and, and, and I feel like I'm a fairly cultured person. Like I've, I've traveled, you know, a decent amount. Uh, I've been to New York City. I I differ from you. I don't like it. I, I don't I don't want to go back. Don't have any desire to go back. I'm not a fan. I'm not a fan of that brand that he has there. Um, I've been. To I'm a not lot a of fan of his brand. I'm not a fan of his brand. I do like yeah. New York City. It's definitely different uh, than Kansas. But it was just such a weird thing. So I I felt like I had to stick up for Kansas today because everyone's so nice, and I, I'm just gonna I'm gonna step in there and be the bad guy because I didn't appreciate that at all. I'm not even from Kansas, but that annoyed me. Um, anywho, there's that. We're going to switch gears. We'll talk to Wichita State Athletic Director Kevin Saul. Cessna, looking like it's getting an upgrade. Why? We'll ask the most obvious question and get uh, maybe a definitive answer there and talk about the start of Shocker basketball season. That's all coming up in hour number two of Sports Daily. <laughs> 